Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to overtime! Coming off of overtime and a shootout, unfortunately with a loss against Montreal, the Sabres are rolling into a home ice tilt with Arizona tonight, and we welcome you into the podcast and want to start by essentially extending the Hockey Fights Cancer window, which is commonly November in the NHL. But when someone from America's arguably first family of hockey and very close to um, the Sabres and everyone involved in it is dealing with it, man, we can't start without acknowledging uh, our best wishes and most love and support to uh, Tony Granato and what is now his new battle as he announced yesterday marty that he's um taking on non-hodgkin's lymphoma and starting treatment this week yeah and uh i mean tony's uh, as you pointed out uh you know the brother of don granado <laughs> coach of the sabers but uh, a good friend of the show because we got to know that family really well we had cammy granado on the podcast before uh which is don and tony's sister we've met mr and mrs granado at the at the arena many times and when we were in chicago you and i just a few weeks back you know, after the game, we got back to the hotel. Tony was there. Uh, we got to talk to him for half an hour. Just a, a really um, smart person. And I'm not just saying like hockey person, just a smart person. Like when you talk to him, you just get so much information through different things, right? And it's just passionate. It was such passionate. Yeah, passionate is the right word. Thank you. And uh, so it is, it, I think it was a... a a punch to the gut when I read that yesterday, just because I feel mm -hmm. like Tony has the Sabres and Buffalo and such high esteem. Like he wants yeah. the Sabres to do so well mm -hmm. and his brother to do so well that we're going to be uh, really thinking of him a lot over the next little bit here. And of course, his brother Don had a battle with Hodgkin's lymphoma almost 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So this is unfortunately uh, nothing new to the family, but at the same time, um, it it always feels like the entire hockey world is a family in the fight. But I yeah. think in this case, like when you already know the reach that the Granado family has, you know that the support will be endless. So Tony, we're thinking of you and uh, can't wait to see you come out victorious in this battle. Um, there's hockey to get to here, yes. but it's bandits night on the broadcast and dane and josh are going to be with us pregame and i just learned that call up from the amherst brett murray who's going to get his first nhl game in almost two years mm -hmm. tonight played for the bandits in youth lacrosse caledon bandits before he went to the hill academy and so this is this is doesn't nice. surprise I me that brett murray would have been a lacrosse guy like he has that body type and that aggressive nature and mm -hmm. a lot of hockey players have played lacrosse but it, it doesn't surprise me when it comes to brett murray so it was uh an interesting start to the bandit season on saturday they lost in albany but of course, last year, they lost the season opener Albany as well, and then went on to win the title. So yeah. not a lot of people are overly concerned at the moment, but that game had a ton of physicality. I think the Sabres-Habs game had a lot of physicality. My yeah. daughter went to a high school game the other day, and she said, Dad, like there could have been like 100 fights in this game. So I don't know whether <laughs> it's the holiday season, everybody's just getting ornery or what, but it's very clear the message that has been sent from the coach and the general manager when it comes to compete and showing up in every yeah. single battle. 
That was obvious the other night. The problem is it doesn't guarantee wins. You still have to score goals, but are we not seeing a little bit of a shift right now in player accountability and what they have to have to engage in on a nightly basis to, to kind of maintain their place here moving forward? And maybe I'm overstating it, but I, I think I think there's a recognition here that they needed to tweak something. There is a recognition, and um, we saw it in parts here and there in the first two months of the season, right? October, November, oh, you get a good third period. Oh, you get a good game, and then no, not so much the next one. And I think what we saw in the Boston game and the Montreal game is that they just were consistent in trying to keep the same effort level, the same mm -hmm. compete level. And it, it worked really well against Boston. It didn't work for the first two pairs against Montreal, but they didn't steer away from it. They said, right. let's keep going the right direction. And they took it to a shootout coming back in the third period. And that to me is the, the, the lesson to learn here is that with compete, the results may not always be what you want, but overall, you're going to have a consistent type game and you're going to keep yourself in games because of your compete level. And compete level for different players means different things. Like compete level for Rasmus Dahlin is not the same to me as it is for Jeff Skinner or Tage Thompson or Dylan Cousins. There's different level of how you compete, how you make things work. Um, but the biggest thing for me is that the the when I heard when a coach would say we have to compete we have to compete it was in two areas you have to defend mm -hmm. and defend is about compete so you have to do that and you have to be relentless on pucks relentless on pucks and forechecking is about compete everything else there's compete factors there's skills factors there's a lot of different things but I feel like Boston and Montreal those two areas were there they defended and they were really good on forechecking on pucks that's the two areas of compete they lost the game 3-2. They lost the shootout 3-2. It was their first shootout game of the season. Of yeah. course, the flip side, Montreal is as well-versed as any team going beyond regulation time. They now have seven wins post-60 minutes. That is even with the Maple Leafs, and those are difference makers in the standings when you just keep finding ways to pick up points. So the Sabres have to continue on a path like that right now. They're still struggling to get two wins back-to-back, -back, so mm -hmm. they'll try to start another streak tonight and one It'll be their home game before a three-game road trip, a road trip that goes through Colorado, Vegas, and Arizona. Of course, the Coyotes are in tonight, and Arizona's been a very pleasant surprise. They score a ton. Their power play's excellent. is going to be in goal. We expect Levi at the Sabres' end. Um, so they're going to have their hands full here with this Arizona team that's won two of the last three coming in. Uh, two of the last three trips to Buffalo they have yeah. won, I should say. Now, as far as the Sabres' lineup, we mentioned Brett Murray coming up. Isaac Rosane's been sent back down to Rochester, so there's your switch in the lineup. Um, Robinson, of course, will be back in after missing half the game due to a boarding major. And Alex Tuck, while skating this morning, is not going to be in the lineup just yet. He's going to need a little more practice time. Um, the overarching um, storyline, if you will, Marty, is after 48 shots on goal, they still ended up with just two. And you'll recall vividly last year that the team that had the identity of scoring four or more was actually really, really good when scoring just three or more. That was all they needed, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they couldn't win to save their lives when they scored two or fewer. In fact, last year they ended up two, 22 and two when scoring two or fewer. That's a lot of twos. Well, yeah. Well, two, 22 what? and two and scoring two or less. That's uh, uh, 
That's, this that's, year, that's this when the year scoreboard looks like 2-2 two, two with 222 left in the second period, and you look and you see twos everywhere. This year, they're 0-10-2 when scoring yeah. two or fewer. So it has continued. Now, I get it. Obviously, we don't see nearly as many games of that low-scoring variety. But when your goaltending's been good, you need to win those games. And that's where there's probably a feeling of big miss against Montreal on Saturday. Ah, there's a feeling of big miss because you created enough to be able to get maybe that third goal, right? And get that three to win or in overtime, you have the power play for 55 seconds, four on three, you had a five on three in the first period. So all of this adds to, well, you feel like you went home empty-handed. You got a point, right? And that's two games in a row. Now you got two against Boston, one against Montreal, but you feel like you went home empty-handed. Um, here's the, you talk about the overarching you know, uh, you got 46 shots, 46 saves from Primo, 48 shots on goal. Um, unofficial, by the way, because it keeps changing. Um, oh, my gosh. Let me apologize for that. You know, like we joke about the unofficial stuff all the time, but then, oh, then we fall victim to it. And then I feel like a complete ass on the day after a game because everything changed. Like I'm sitting here thinking the amount of misinformation that I spewed in the post game on Saturday, wow. because I trusted the source that was in front of me. Well, like, the source I, is NHL.com. You're not trusting like Joe from, a, from, a, you I know, should. his TV Joe that it's writing accurate. down the names. Oh my gosh. Do you know that they had the whole overtime listed as shorthanded and power play? The other yeah, night oh, yeah. when we were on the air, that's why all the numbers were skewed. So I misrepresented the actual number of power play shots they had in the game because they listed the whole four on four overtime as special teams. And this is why when I went to natural stat trick at the end of the game, it said shots, even strength in overtime were zero, zero. And I'm thinking, how can that be possible? Like, I'm like, I know that we gen we tried to generate shots, but I, I was, so I wrote it down, but I didn't mention it. I knew it was uh, a big mistake, but um, no. And just again, little sidebar. When Eric Robinson took his major penalty for boarding, Mm -hmm. For the longest time, the game sheet showed Robinson minor, Caden Gooley minor, Caden Gooley match penalty on the game sheet. They gave Caden Gooley a match penalty, not Robinson. And it was so it's wrong all the time. And you know what? We complain about it. I talked to a lot of people around the NHL. Everybody's complaining about it. And right. you know what? We're December. What today? The 10th. Uh, I believe, or the 11th or whatnot. We're, we're late December already. It's past Christmas in my mind. But anyway, um, it's still not fixed. Like, come on now, and people. it's not a Buffalo it, thing. So this is not an No, no, it's not a Buffalo thing. Like, no. Yeah, every single night we're in the studio or wherever, we, we are confronted with this issue. I, so. It's frustrating anyway. because we rely on, in, like, information to pass along. Ice you know, time. Hey, you know what? Rasmus Dallin played 29 and a half minutes. And then we wake up the next day and it's 24.50. You're like, that five minutes is huge. It's a big difference. <laughs> I'm like, come on now. And we have you know. clear tracking. Oh, I don't know how, like, I feel like, because we're living in the moment, I feel like we're, we're at the front edge of claiming everything to be unofficial, but I was watching a couple of broadcasts last week, I'm pretty sure LA, and the guys were mentioning unofficially, yeah, oh, yeah. I was dying laughing, I'm like, this, this, I think maybe we're all trying to figure out now that, uh, Everything we say should be just uh, with a with a little hint of caution. Okay, well, how about this one? Okay. In the last two games, Devin Levi has made 
32 saves on 33 shots against the Boston Bruins and 31 saves on 33 shots against the Montreal Canadiens. So he's given up three goals and 66 shots. That's good. Now, if the NHL wants to add a couple of shots or take away a couple of shots, it doesn't change the big picture. Levi went down to Rochester, played a couple of games, got called up. Comrie had a start. Didn't go too well. Levi won in Boston, played against the Montreal Canadiens, and it looks like Levi will get the start against the Arizona Coyotes. So three games in a row. Lukanen is feeling healthier. He's had a couple of days of practice. Most likely will resume his crease at some point, maybe Colorado, yep. maybe on the road trip. So you're got three goalies again. What do you do with the three goalies? Is this a, let's get Levi one more game before we head on the road, but we're going to have to send Levi back down to Rochester. Or is this a, well, if Levi plays well, now maybe that little stint to Rochester changes the whole thing here. And maybe it's Lucan and Levi for a little while and Comrie has to wait it out. Maybe there's something that happens there because they are going to need the roster spots. Tuck is coming back. Uh, you're going to have Quinn coming back soon. You know, you got eight defensemen, three goalies. Again, same conversation. But for me, against Arizona, Levi playing may dictate what happens moving forward. He makes another 32 saves on 33 shots. And all of a sudden you say, hey, wait a minute. He's given up four goals on 100 shots or so, like in three games. Mm -hmm. um, it, you, you can't pass on that. Right. Well, Levi's 1-0-2 in his last four appearances, and his save percentage over that stretch is 9-11, which is a very livable number based on where the team yeah. save percentage has been for quite some time. Um, so we'll expect Levi tonight. It'll be his first go-around against Arizona. Um, the, the bigger story... Oh, and by the way, um, we had a lot of references to goats and donkeys on yeah. the broadcast on <laughs> Saturday. Um and uh, yeah, I, I don't know where it's going to go tonight, but just be ready for it. <laughs> what are you, are you like giving me a heads up here that maybe I'll be talking about goats again? Cause I don't love well, I mean, talking we do about have to goats work with but... Rob again. Right. So yeah, I get it. I'm I'm trying to find a picture of Marty the goat and I couldn't find it the other day. And I I'm going to look back cause I still can't find it. I thought maybe I had it on my Instagram, but I wanted to show you, but no, can't find Marty the goat. Let's forget about him. Oh, well, since we're on the topic, though, of the latter, um, or some would say the former, based on his numbers last year, happy birthday to Matthew Chuck. He's uh, 26 years of age today. <laughs> you see how he, he could easily be in either category? He could be a goat or a donkey. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. Uh, that's I like, yeah. Okay, I'll take that. I won't go any farther. I don't want to. There was a lot of goats and a lot of donkeys that got uh, supplemental discipline over the weekend. It was a rough, rough, rough weekend for uh, George Peros and the Department of Player Safety. At the barn. Um, at the NHL. The barn. It was barn. a rough, but yeah. <laughs> the goats and the donkeys were going after one another all weekend long. It was tough. You know why I thought more that I was the latter again? Um, like, look who's in the lineup for Buffalo tonight, expected. We don't know for sure because Samuelson is sore. So maybe I'm yeah. jumping the gun here. But ever since my question to you last week, has Ryan Johnson seen the last of the AHL? Yeah, I know. Now he doesn't even play. <laughs> so I'm like, what, what kind of person am I to bring up well, that question? And then he gets scratched. So. He gets scratched. There's two reasons for that. One, Darlene came back, right? Missed the game in Boston, but came back against Montreal. So, mm -hmm. But Connor Clifton 
for the struggle that he has had at the start of the yeah. season, I think he's played his best two games in the Sabres uniform against Boston and Montreal. And the, the second goal that the, the against Montreal, the Caloposo goal, was all Connor Clifton. Tage Thompson goal against Boston was a good play by Clifton. There's been better plays. So now you say, okay, the guy gets in the rhythm. You, you're going to give him that, that spot. Um, I did like Samuelson and Power together again against the Montreal Canadiens. I think that's maybe something that you got to explore more. If Sammy is healthy to play again, we'll know game time decision with Samuelson tonight. So um, I guess the bigger, the, really the only area, let me do this first and you can help read along with me. But when you're serious about the game, <laughs> bet on Buffalo with the only sports books in Western New York, Seneca resorts and casinos, betting counters are open daily, self-serving betting uh, kiosks are available 24 seven. That's all three locations, Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny or Buffalo Creek. And the sports lounge of course, features the latest lines, multiple screens. So you never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca resorts and casinos where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. This all ties into over under and Buffalo needs to get back to being an over team. How do they get the offense going, Marty? Because you can cherry pick in any storyline you want and focus on this player is the catalyst or the reason. And like I look at this whole group and I can't, you know, I'm partially in disbelief that Dylan Cousins has one goal mm -hmm. in his last 18 games. But like Zach Benson, after a multi-point game, has pointless in five. But like he's all around it. And the funny thing is, is like Paterka's on the line, but he kind of consistently is producing here right so it does himself a lot and then, <laughs> and then you go through the bottom six beyond that and it's like you you know the way it's configured at the moment it's hard to say that you're going to rely on somebody stepping up obviously Olafson has been the most consistent in that regard he's got 10 points in his last 13 games so how do you create more offense? I'll tell you. The power play's got to start like putting pucks in the back of the net. They would have gotten you an extra point do? against what Montreal. What do you want to see? What do you what? Okay. What drastic measure can they take? They've got two goals in the last seven games on the power play, and that's yeah. a two for five effort against Detroit. Right? That in, is in arguably garbage time because they were down four nothing. Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. So, but the other games is zero forever, right? And that's the problem. Now, last game against Montreal, they did something that I felt, and I pointed out on the telestration, they changed their setup a little bit. They're, instead of going 1-3-1, one, one, as most teams, two one-timers on the side, a bumper and a net front with the point guy, they went more on a, an umbrella. So they have the three guys up high, but they're looking for that pass on the goal line, which was Benson on the one side with Skinner on the other side. And I felt like it worked. Here's the issue. There was the five on three. Well, the five on three, you're not going to use the umbrella and the overload. So their setup change, it took away all their rhythm on the power play. And the four on three is the same thing. Four mm -hmm. on three is away from that structure that you work on. You don't work four on three. You don't work five on three a whole lot. I thought five on four was their better look. So, yes, the power play has not produced of late. And, yes, against Montreal it was a huge part of why they didn't get the extra point or even a regulation win. Mm -hmm. But five on four, I feel like they're going the right direction. I've mentioned it many times. If the one-three-one's not working, you got to go to a different setup. Maybe you use two defensemen and you put them on opposite ends of the blue line and you use – 
a three on two down low. And you say, once the forwards on the other team, the penalty killers are going to pressure up the top, we're sending it down low for three on two. You got to create odd man situation somewhere on the ice. And with the overload umbrella, I feel like it worked to that a little bit. So I want to give him a little bit more time, but it definitely has to produce on the man advantage. Yes, they have had four minutes and 26 seconds of five-on-three time on ice this year. They are 0 for 5 on the power play in those situations, and uh, that is you imagine you're given a full, let's see, two guys on the other team take major penalties. Mm -hmm. You get a full five minutes of five-on-three, and you don't score. Now, I yeah. know it's not like that because you get 30 Correct. seconds zero, 50 yep. seconds zero, but they've mm -hmm. had extended time on the five-on-three this year, mm -hmm. which they've not, even, they've not been able to produce. Right, and they are among the league leaders in actually being given that amount of time on ice at five-on-three, so it uh, just makes the... You know, the reality of it a little harder to bear. Um, yes. Is there one other thing? Because we have a lot on the go. We got to get ready for pregame tonight. So yeah. one other topic, uh, Sabres or otherwise, that uh, you wanted to end with here today? Uh, Sabres or otherwise. Um, well, let's, let's touch quickly on the Arizona Coyotes. Okay. Um, and people may... Um, you know, despite the fact that Arizona is a great story, they're still just a second wildcard team right now. And they're in a battle. It's huge, though. Nobody anticipates. Like, it's huge. Yeah, but I just. feel like uh, yeah. I've paid attention. You have Duffer uh, about Arizona in the last month. And I, I feel like they had more success in the last month than what is actually shown on the standings. Right? Like, the season started a little slower for them. And mm -hmm. they went out to Australia in preseason and played against the LA Kings. Well, it didn't slow down the Kings, right, for their travel back and everything. Arizona took their time getting going, uh, but they are a quick team. Mm -hmm. They are fast. That You know what the two fastest team in the NHL are out west right now in the Western Conference, in my opinion, at this moment? I'm not Tell talking like overall, but at this moment. Tell I think me. I think Arizona is one of them. They're really quick, and they execute quick. The San Jose Sharks right now, yes. they are fast, mm -hmm. and they've – Come back in three straight games. They scored four goals, six on five with the goalie pulled in the last three games. They almost pulled a trick against the Vegas Golden Knights last night on Sunday night. Like San Jose is playing quick and fast. And that's why we keep talking about pace. And that's where I want the Sabres to get. Despite the fact San Jose is probably the worst team in the league right now. They play with pace and they're fast and I enjoy watching them. Well, they're, they're certainly not the worst uh, ever since. If you just get rid of the first 11 games, yeah. they've been dynamic. And they, you know, pushed again last night to get it even and then had their chance in overtime and shootout before losing to Vegas. Dominated but, uh, the overtime. Yeah, they were. They they are absolutely flying. It's impressive to watch. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I can't disagree. I think uh, Arizona right now, like, the beauty for them is they will see – flashes throughout the year of Logan Cooley and salivate over what his future will be. Yeah. But he's not the catalyst for what's happening on a nightly basis right now, which is really good for them because they're getting, you know, Clayton Keller's consistency as a star player in this league. Yes. Lawson Krause is trending towards becoming a 30 goal scorer potentially on an annual basis. You have, um, uh, Carconi, Michael Carconi, who's just unbelievably uh, fortunate right now, but it never Cy stops. leader. He's 13 and three. 13 and three is leading the league in shooting percentage. Um, you have a rookie that went way under the radar last year that was all about play, playmaking yeah. in Michelli, who's right there among the team leaders again this year. You didn't even year. mention Nick Schmaltz yet. Well, you don't have to because he's just <laughs> kind of there, right? Like he's in it. And he, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's just 
it, it does th none of this blabbering ensures anything. And you're right. Like eventually Edmonton is going to leap over both wildcard teams yes. currently in the Western conference and maybe somebody else Ooh. does too. So, it, it, you know, there's certainly no guarantees that they're going to make it, but uh, I think their, their outlook is great. And my only question is what color shirt will their coach wear tonight? White. It's going to be white. It's going to be because it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a white shirt today. For he's Andre worn more Turing. white than he used to lately. Yes. And I think he's reaping the benefits of it. It's Andre Tourigny. So uh, keep an I eye out for I have a quick question for you, Duffer, though, before, yes, we, uh, before we we have to log off here and get yeah. on with uh, the rest of the day and prepare for tonight's game. Nikita Kucherov is seven points ahead of JT Miller for the uh, points total lead right now. He's sitting at 47 and JT Miller's at 40. Mm -hmm. Connor McDavid is at 36, 11 points behind Kucherov. Mm -hmm. How many points will McDavid be ahead of Kucherov at the end of the regular season? He'll be ahead by 11 at the end of January. I, I said the same but thing But then today. I don't know what the rest of the year is going to be. I said yeah. it feels to me like it's Mario Lemieux coming back from his cancer treatment that he's going to catch Patty Lafontaine. It's just a matter mm -hmm. of time. And I yeah. feel like by the, by the All-Star break... McDavid is going to be ahead of Kucherov and everybody else. Yeah, I would think so. I, I I don't have much doubt about that. The question is, is how long does Sam Reinhardt stay in the hunt for the Art Ross? Eh, until Connor McDavid gets by the uh, All-Star break and is like leading <laughs> and his team is top two in the uh, in their division because they, they'll find their way back there again. Well, you had an Australia reference in there for the Yotes. So let's go with goats, donkeys, and kangaroos, all part of uh, this episode of Sabres Live Overtime. We'll see you soon.